Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, listener. It's Ryan from The Second Tier. Just dropping a quick message to say we recorded this episode before the devastating news that Bournemouth winger David Brooks has been diagnosed with cancer. That's why it's not included in the news segment of the show this week. Of course, we all wish him the very best in his recovery and hope to see him back on a football pitch again soon. Now we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the North Wales Derby to my South Wales Derby. It's Justin Peach! Good day to you, Ryan. What, what's the North Wales Derby? I'm not sure if there is one, to be quite honest. Yeah, it might yeah. be something <laughs> like Rill against Wrexham or something like that. Or the New Saints. This is utilising my Welsh football knowledge at its finest. It's better than I thought. Yeah, I, I, I've got a couple of teams. There's um, uh, Welsh pool. There's one. Welsh pool. Newport. Newport. No, well, Newport. <laughs> they're they're still in the same bracket as Cardiff and uh, Swansea, aren't they? I suppose. Um, the New Saints. Real. I'm struggling off that. To be quite honest, we'll be here a while. Yeah, we could be here for a while. But we're not here to talk about Welsh football, Justin. We're here to talk about the Championship because we are the number one Championship-specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, it is the Derby weekend. No, it's not a weekend celebrating Derby as a city. It's a weekend of Derbys. You've got yourself the South Wales Derby, the West London Derby. You've got a West Midlands Derby. It's all kicking off this weekend in the Championship. And what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is talk about all three of those games coming up this weekend. Look back at some of the news from the past few days and then finish off with a Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end but before we get things underway may i point you in the direction of fans bets the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans make sure you check them out at fansbet.com and claim your bet 10 get 10 welcome offer terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleware.org for more info and do also check out fansbet responsible gambling tools we've been contributing to their social content throughout the past month or so now talking all things championships so make sure you give them a follow to keep up with that justin let's talk about some of the big games and let's talk about one one of the biggest games there is to offer in the championship that is of course the south wales derby it's swansea v cardiff um it's the first one in front of fans since the pandemic started it's worth pointing out as well so i'm expecting a very lively atmosphere are you justin i should hope so yeah you know the fans have been away from grounds for such a long time 
so to finally get to get a derby in front of them yeah it's going to be massive um and it's only going to add to the atmosphere in a strange time for both of the clubs i think because you've got cardiff in a bad run of form fans aren't really too optimistic at the moment and swansea in a transition themselves they're a side that play nice football but struggle to create chances so the atmosphere could be the best part of the game uh, in this one well you're quite right both teams are struggling at the moment Swansea in 19th which is surprising I didn't realise they were <laughs> that low in the table I know they haven't been great this season but I didn't realise they were sat 19th Cardiff only a place behind them in 20th so yeah both both struggling at the moment you've got to say looking at the way things are going right now this may be the one thing that they might celebrate this season, getting something over their arch rivals, apart from the opposite fixture, of course. Um, one thing I can guarantee, or at least looks very certain in this game, is a lack of goals. Um, well, in the past 10 years of this fixture, there's only been one game that's had more than two goals. And both teams, as we have spoken about loads of times on this show, Justin, are lacking goals at the moment. Cardiff have very little creativity. Swansea relying very much on Joel Pirro for the goals. So I don't think it's going to be a goal fest, but I think there's still going to be plenty of, you know, full-blooded challenges flying about because they always are in this games, aren't they, Justin? Hmm. Yeah, you've got um, a red... A relatively aggressive side in, in Cardiff where they don't want you to get near the goal. Um, they will be physical. Um, they've got a lot of big players and it's, it's quite an easy association to make. But any Mick McCarthy side, they're going to be a difficult side to, to, to break down and beat. And then you've got a Swansea side who try and just play it around you, um, who aren't as physical as Cardiff. So it will be interesting, but I think under Steve Cooper, Swansea especially, I think they had a bit more of a steely edge to about them, a bit more aggression. We saw that um, in some of the controversial moments from last season, shall we say. Um, but if they can take that into this game, it will be it will be a fairly uh, similar matchup um, in terms of in terms of um, how they play without the ball. So, yeah, it's going to be certainly an interesting one from that perspective, but. As you say, I can't see too many goals, but then again, logic defies championship football sometimes. We could see a 4 4 as easy as possibly seeing a 0 0. Especially in derbies, where, as we all know, <laughs> form goes out the window. Uh, yeah. But you are quite right. Very contrasting styles. In fact, they're both at different extremes, really, aren't they? Because Swansea are, you know, passing football, or as passing football as passing football gets, really. Whereas Cardiff are. <laughs> pretty much as hoofball as hoofball gets. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting in that way. What are you thinking then, Justin? Which way do you reckon this will go? It's very hard to see past a draw because it's a derby, it's a lunchtime kickoff. They always tend to usually be draws. And then you've got the fact that both sides struggle to create uh, clear-cut chances. If it's going to be a win, it's going to be a 1-0 win. But as I said, I just, I just can't see past a 0-0 or a 1-1. So I'll, I'll edge towards a 0-0 a, a quite quite comfortably to be honest with you yeah I think I'm enough splinters in my arse as well because I'm going to sit on the fence here I, <laughs> I see the draw, the draw is the most likely result but I wouldn't rule out a 1-0 goal either way 
it's you know a bit of a bailout when you put it like that. But I, I, I honestly can't split these teams at all because they're both really struggling at the moment. But it's a derby. It comes down to whoever wants it more, as we always say. <laughs> uh, let's go to the West London derby, Justin. This is the early game on Saturday between Fulham and QPR. Both clubs not playing at their best before the international break. But nonetheless, two very good teams coming up against each other, eh, Justin? And a complete contrast to the Swansea-Cardiff game. You've got two teams who like to attack, create a lot of chances between themselves and are quite clinical as well. Um, so, you know, we might we might see a 4-3 here in this game compared to a 0-0 on, on Sunday with the Swansea-Cardiff game. But go back to the to, to the two sides, as, as I say, they, they, they both attack, they both have vulnerabilities. I think the way QPR play might complement Fulham a little bit because... We've seen with Fulham's defeat so far this season, other than the Coventry game, the Reading and um, Blackpool defeats, they were beaten by a team sitting back. Are QPR good enough defensively to do that? I don't think they are. QPR are going to have to attack. That might suit Fulham a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's an, it's an intriguing one, as I'll say, with, with every fixture. But could see a 4-3 or a 4-4 or a here quite easily as, as um, the other game being them nil. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I can see this game having goals in it. Um, this one's got the mixture of, you know, loads of fiery passion from both sets of fans. But at the same time, I think we're going to have entertainment on the pitch, which I can't guarantee in the game we were previously just talking about. Um, QPR haven't had ideal preparation. Mark Warburton tested positive for COVID. Is going to be back in the dugout for this game, but as basically had to leave preparation to John Eustace and the rest of the QPR coaching staff, which not ideal for QPR. Um, but having said that, they are in the better form compared to Fulham because QPR did manage to pick up two wins just before the international break, whereas Fulham are really struggling at the moment, aren't they, Justin? They they, they are and they aren't. There, there are games like the Birmingham City game, for example, where you think they've they've they they can turn it on whenever they want, um, and then there are games where the Coventry game, like the Coventry game, where they they really struggled. They they were frustrated by Coventry and eventually were counterattacked quite quite simply. Um, so it really does depend which Fulham side turns up and how consistent they can get going from this. Because every the first game after an international break is always a difficult one for some teams because. If you're in good form, it breaks your flow. If you're not in good form, it's a chance to arrest that and put that right. With Fulham, they have to they have to get a win here. And I think the pressure is on them in that sense because they've got to get a win because they've got to get the season up and running again. Because as we pointed out, it stumbled. It started to stumble a little bit towards the towards the end of the last international break. Well, the well the first international break of the season was really the end of the Fulham that we saw mm. in the first period yeah. of the season where they were just running past teams. Now they had that international break started stumbling a bit and now we've had this international break could we see them return back to the Fulham side that I think we all know and love because they're a great team to watch aren't they when they're in top gear and we certainly saw that earlier in the season one thing that could lead to them going back into top gear could be the return of Fabio Carvalho who they have sorely missed since uh, well the first international break really he's his disappearance from the team has really coincided with Fulham's bad form he's had this toe injury but Marco Silva's not confirmed anything at the time of recording, but it 
I wonder if maybe he could be back, coming back into the squad, considering it looked like he may be close to returning just before the international break. So if he comes back, he's going to be a massive boost because he is a wonderful player to watch and is, despite only being a teenager, is proving to be a really, really important player for the Cottagers this season. And it'll be really bad news for QPR if he's back in the uh, swing of things. What are you thinking then, Jay Peach? What are you thinking with uh, the score here? I I want to edge towards possibly a 3-2 win for Fulham, if I'm going to be exact. I just think Fulham coming out of the international break, they're going to get things right eventually. They've got to put things right here. I think QPI say preparations haven't been ideal. Um, and I just think Fulham are the stronger side. I think they'll control the game from the outset and possibly, yeah, 3-1 or 3-2 to Fulham. I think it'll be high scoring. Can I sit on the fence again? Usually I accuse you of being a fence sitter, but I've turned it to me, twice, yeah. Yeah. Bad for me, isn't it? Um, I'll probably edge towards a Fulham win as well, just because I, I do think Fulham will get back into uh, the side that we saw earlier in the season. Maybe not as uh, you know running through teams as they were, but this Fulham side that we've seen recently isn't the Fulham side that I expect to see in the long term. So yeah, I'll go for a high-scoring game. Let's say I'll go for 3-2, the same as you. Next up, Justin, we have the West Midlands derby, or a West Midlands derby, I should say. It's between West Brom and Birmingham. Um, interestingly, I, I used to work with a Birmingham fan who used to say that he hated West Brom more West Brom fans more than Villa, um, which I think may surprise plenty of neutrals around the country. You always associate, you know, Birmingham being big rivals with Villa and West Brom being big rivals with Wolves. So when these two come together, you may think they they don't care about each other as much, but I can tell you they do. So this is going to be a feisty game on a Friday night. What are your instant thoughts with this game, Justin? Again, it it depends if uh, West Brom can get back on it. I mentioned uh, in previous recordings after that defeat to Stoke City, it's the first game against Stoke. Sorry, the first game this season where West Brom haven't controlled um, from the outset uh, against Stoke and obviously they lost. So that's going to be a big tactical battle from Lee Bowyer as, you know, how are they going to arrest that sort of physicality and dominance from West Brom? They do it quite early on and keep keep West Brom out. I can see fans getting quite frustrated because they've had a few games like that already this season, and that will play into Birmingham City's hands. So, if if they can you know keep that going on for as long as possibly can, and they're very good at upsetting top top teams, aren't they? Birmingham City they they manage to grab unlikely wins um, from uh, every every now and then, and I think again this this could be one of those occasions. So I don't think it's going to be a comfortable game for West Brom by any means. I think Lee Bowie is going to get his side fired up for the for the fixture. I disagree, you know. I think Birmingham are the kind of side West Brom love to play against because Birmingham very much rely on getting crosses into the box. And when you've got the likes of Bartley, Ajayi, I don't know if Matt Clark might be coming back. He can't be too far away from returning back to the team. They're the kind of players that if you get bo- uh, crosses into the box, they'll be absolutely loving mm. life. If Birmingham don't offer anything else, then mm. I-, I don't think uh, West Brom will be uh, too concerned with uh, what Birmingham are throwing at them. So it's a fair point, but then just to caveat that, West Brom coming up against Birmingham side where they're not going to have as much fun getting in behind. You know, Birmingham City will happily play quite deep and hit you on the counter. They've got the likes of Jeremy Bayer, um, Thais Trong, so there's players there that can hit you on the counter quite quickly. Whether it's Dini or Djokovic playing up front, 
there's someone that they can play into. So they're going to be a threat on the counter Birmingham City. And as well as that, they're going to they they like defending physically. You know, Birmingham City have that sort of back back f- uh, three or back five that will that will be happy to defend uh, f- the the visit from the physical sort of output from from West Brom. So I don't think it's going to be a comfortable game. It's quite a nice matchup in that sense. Um, so yeah, as I say, I think Birmingham City have got the the tools here to get a result against West Brom. Why do you keep saying Birmingham City? Uh, for some reason, I, I full yeah, I full name teams quite often. I think it's from when we first started doing a podcast, and I said Bristol rather than Bristol City, and someone oh, called yeah. me for it, and I've just yeah, I've stepped away. I'll just full name everyone. Okay, fair enough. Preston North yeah. End. <laughs> um, yeah, Birmingham are in a weird situation at the moment where they've got just one point from the last five games but haven't been playing too badly. So if they manage to get a result here, then that will really upset the apple cart and uh, maybe even get Birmingham back on the right track onto uh, what we were seeing earlier on in the season. Uh, they'll have to get back to their really solid defensive routes because that mm-hmm. was really what was running them points at the start of the season and then they've started to lose tack a bit in the uh, basically since the last international break quite a few teams have fallen off since that first international break so uh, yeah definitely a chance for Birmingham to get back on track while West Brom as you say lost the first game of the season against Stoke uh, in the last game week didn't they so they'll be also looking to get things back on track but apart from that one loss haven't exactly you know been too disappointing really this season have the baggies Mm. Uh, let's have a score prediction then Justin what are you thinking with this game I'm gonna go one-one. You know, I fancy a Djokovic hammer from the back post, his left foot power into the top corner. Very specific scenario, but I can just see it happening. And then West Brom getting back into it in the last ten, fifteen minutes. Well, Birmingham are without a goal in the last four games, and I would go for a two-nil win to West Brom. I think. I, I think Birmingham's struggles in front of goal may continue just for this game but then after that it may start to get back on track hopefully anyway finally Justin the last game we're going to preview ahead of this weekend isn't a derby it's Sheffield United v Stoke I suppose it could be the oh, now I'm trying to think of a player who's played for Sheffield United and Stoke uh, da, da, da. James Beattie the James Beattie derby Ooh. there you go uh, or, or the red and white shirt derby it, it, there's some sort of derby there it's not local anyway um, but this is an interesting one isn't it because uh, what we were saying in our uh, league table review at, at the weekend that uh, Sheffield United are a side that we can both see getting back into the playoff race whereas Stoke has sat quite comfortably in there at the moment and looking a really solid bet for the playoffs themselves so considering we've got high hopes for both these teams as the season goes on it could be an absolute cracker couldn't it it, it could um and it, again it depends how how both line up you've got a stoke city who are in good form uh heading into the international break you're coming out of it can they can they regain that can they can they carry on where they left off sheffield united dipped again can they pick up uh, and perform better so it, it really is sort of a, a head scratcher in that sense um, and obviously they've both got such talented players and this will be a very good test for Stoke City because I know they've come up against West Brom and beat them but Sheffield United player-wise got a very good um, got a very good squad will be will be difficult to break down so if they can so if Stoke can go at to Sheffield United then yeah it's it's um, it's game on for them I want to congratulate you because you said just Stoke at the end. Initially, you were saying Stoke City, but uh, yeah, you managed to get rid of the, uh, the. Uh, I guess it's kind of a nervous tick, isn't it, when you're recording? Mm. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. Sheffield United were on the ascendancy, but then those two straight losses has seen that scuppered and has kind of 
taken away the momentum that I think many people were expecting to build up eventually. And now they're kind of in a bit of a state of flux at the moment, aren't they, really? Yeah, and they've got players underperforming, uh, which is why they, they are where they are in the table. Um, I think it was Ryan Bruce who's not really got going this season, which is frustrating because he's such a talented player that we've seen showcase in the Championship before. I think he got sent off the England under-21s in the international break as well, which is not good form in general. We've said before that they're relying heavily on Billy Sharp. I think that's still the case because the likes of McGoldrick, McBurney, Mousse, although Mousse hit the bar against, it was Bournemouth, wasn't it? Um you know, well, he he's showing under the bar. Yeah, but when he was right under the bar, it's not it's not ideal preparation. And defensively, they don't look as solid as they were under Chris Wilder. There will be times where they'll they'll get back to that level, but there's just a lot of question marks about Sheffield United at the moment, and a lot of players, as I say, underperforming. So it's it's really I don't say it's now or never for them, but they've got to pick up now if they want to if they want to head into the playoffs come uh, come the end of the season. Well, it'll certainly be a big scalp, won't it? Sheffield United have uh, been quite consistent in their lineup recently, and I wonder if Slavisha Kanovic would actually consider changing changing it around for mm. once because they've got so much talent on the bench. I'm just looking at the bench that they had for the Bournemouth game, Justin. Brewster McGoldrick, Hurahan Mousse, Basham McBurney. That is an incredible bench, but Yukanovic mm. is seemingly sticking with the side that he's got at the moment. So whether it's time for him to change it around, we'll wait and see. One player who could be coming back into the Stoke shakeup, Justin, could be the man, the myth, the legend. It's Tyrese Campbell. Now, I only say that with uh, a bit of... Um, scepticism really because I was having a look at when Tyrese Campbell is back Michael O'Neill said he's going to be I can't see him coming back in the next month and that was a month ago so I wonder now that he's had an international break he's been playing for the under 23s fairly regularly over the past few weeks whether this could be the game for him to come back and it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into the team won't it it, it, it will and I could, I've just got images of you like crossing off the days when Michael O'Neill said he'd be back, just crossing it off the calendar. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but you are quite right. It will be interesting to see where he, where he's going to fit in. I think the, the good thing is about Stoke at the moment is they're creating a lot of chances. They're not putting all of those chances away. You put Tyrese Campbell in, who played in a team last season, a Stoke City team last season, who didn't create too many chances, but still put a lot of chances away. You put him into this side, naturally you're going to think, Christ, He's going to score a lot of goals here. Um, and that's the only good thing for Stoke. But as you say, it just depends whether or not he can... It's just getting back to full fitness. You've got to you've got to nurture players back into it, especially after such a big injury like um, like Campbell. So, yeah, it does come with scepticism, as you say. But it doesn't matter where you put him, he's going to be a top, top player for Stoke. You could play him left back, he'd be brilliant. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure he'll start this game, I've got to say, but I think he might possibly be in the squad. I'm, I'm sure Michael O'Neill will give us a, a bit more of an insight in his uh, presser just before this weekend. Uh, but Stoke, as we were just saying earlier on, got a massive scalp against West Brom in the last game week. If you told a Stoke fan at the start of the season that they could potentially beat West Brom and Sheffield United in consecutive games, that would be sensational, wouldn't it? Really set them on their way for a really exciting season. Not that they're not already on their way for an exciting season. Uh, Justin, give us a score prediction. What are you saying? I'm going to go 2-0 Stoke, you know. Quite confident. I fancy, I fancy Stoke as well. I think just Sheffield United are really in a strange situation at the moment, and it may continue to take you kind of a bit longer to get things going. 
while Stoke on the other hand are just looking so promising right now and if Tyrese Campbell does come back then that's just going to be the cream on the cake so yeah I'll go for I'll probably go for a 2-1 win for Stoke yeah yeah I said 2-0 Stoke so we're on the we're on the right track aren't we we agree on something for once (laughs) just then let's have a break after that we'll talk about some of the news from the past week or so and then finish off with a Craig Bryson pub quiz Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast, and now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, and we'll start off with some sad news, unfortunately. The owner of Preston, Trevor Hemmings, has passed away at the age of 86. He's credited by many Preston supporters with rescuing the club from major financial difficulties after taking over in 2010. Terribly sad news. We talk a lot in the media in general about, you know, bad football owners, but often don't give enough credit to good football owners. And it seems like Trevor Hemmings certainly was one of the good guys in football, Justin. Yeah, he's, they, they, he's got Preston back on a, a level playing field. Obviously, they were relegated back down to League One and, you know, Preston are a big club, especially at championship level. Um, so for them to go down to League One is 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 you know, not the best moment in their history. So... Yeah, you know, he 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 got them a long way um, as to where they are now. Pretty much, you know, through the investment in the in the squad and pragmatic investment. Um, I know we've said in the past, you know, Preston all, all they need is a twenty goal, twenty goal a season striker to push them up a level. Um, but you have to bring in the context of of other clubs overspending and 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 putting themselves into a bit of danger. Whereas Preston have never ever been anywhere near that, and that's credit to Trevor Hemmings and um, the job he's done at Preston. Yeah, he's certainly set the foundations and has made champion, uh, made Preston this solid championship side now, hasn't he? And he's left a really he's he's left a brilliant legacy at the club now, and hopefully they can use um, what he's left behind as you know a platform to go on to bigger things. Uh, let's move on to Derby, Justin. Where else? Derby appealed against the 12-point deduction they received for going into administration. The club is arguing the situation was caused by the financial impact of the coronavirus pandemic and therefore the points deduction should not apply. This is interesting because it's the administrators themselves who are doing this and appeals like this cost money. You're talking (laughs) hundreds of thousands. So if the administrators are doing it, then they must feel like there's a good chance they're going to win it. I think firstly, if that's costing it that much, then maybe we should ditch the podcast and become administ- like football finance lawyers. That's where the money is, apparently. Well, I wouldn't know where to start, but uh, there's clearly <laughs> a lucrative kind of business there, isn't there? Hmm. But we, I mean, I'm sure we'd be able to argue the case because, from Derby's perspective, I know Wigan have been brought in as a comparison, but Wigan were only in administration for a couple of months during that um, first COVID period. So it sounds weird saying that, but it was that first COVID period where everyone was saying, including the government, we'll get people back in grounds from September. That didn't happen, and Derby have had a year without um, without income essentially through gates um and 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 spending it uh, at games and, and what have you so i can see the argument for it it'll be difficult to, to get points um what reduced but points which reduced but if they can then it's a bonus if not then it's expensive but if they, if they see there's a good case then why not 
The strange thing is, I always just assume the administrators, their priority would be the financial future of the club, not reducing points deductions, unless they genuinely think there is a really good chance of them doing it and then Derby staying up, which will obviously help a lot more than if they were in League One. Then it's all a bit odd. I'd like to know a bit more context about the situation, I've got to say. Uh, Sticking with Derby, the Daily Mirror is reporting Mike Ashley is interested in buying the club. Sky Sports has since said there's been no contact from Mr Ashley and buying another football club isn't a top priority. However, he is likely to reinvest in sport again at some point. But Mike Ashley at Derby. With your Derby hat on, Justin, would you be a fan? Even if it was legitimate and he was coming, I don't think Derby fans could be in a position of going, well, we don't want him. Well, you know, he's got money and he's willing to invest it in the club. Derby need a new owner and he's going to come in and take the club out of administration, essentially. So it wouldn't be the worst thing that happened. But then again, you know, Newcastle fans have had a lot to say about Mike Ashley. He did stabilise them. Should a, new, should a club like Newcastle be in a position of being stabilised? Probably not, but Derby definitely needs to be stabilised. So it wouldn't be the worst thing that happened if it was to happen. It won't, but as I say, he's, he's got money. Invest it. I, I actually agree with you completely. Uh, Barnsley have closed the West Stand at Oakwell because of safety concerns. A club statement said structural inspections had revealed that various remedial works are necessary. It means around 1,000 season ticket holders will be found alternative seats, but... Here's the slightly funny bit. The club have since stopped selling home tickets so they can give those season ticket holders seats first. And that has not gone down well with Barnsley fans. Um, Mm. When your club is doing as badly as Barnsley are on the pitch at the moment, this is the last thing you need behind the scenes as well. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? Uh, being a Barnsley fan at the minute, especially if you're in that in that stand where you've been relocated. And I'm one of those fans where if I get moved... I'm not happy about it. I, I've sat in my seat for a number of years. So if I get moved, I'm going to kick up a fuss. Um, it'd be interesting to see what... Because are the Barnsley owners responsible or is it the council? Because I think it's the council that owns the ground. So it'd be interesting to see who's responsible for this, not for those sort of... Yeah, those um, building works being done. I believe it's the council who have said that it's not safe. Whose responsibility for the actual work... I'm not too sure. Um, but Barnsley fans are certainly not happy with the owners, which makes me <laughs> think it's them. I may be wrong on that, so don't quote me on that. Uh, Coventry striker Matt Godden has been given a two-game ban for diving. It's after he won a penalty against Fulham a couple of weeks ago. I think everyone can accept it's a dive. That's a given. But what frustrates me, Justin, is how infrequently this punishment is handed out. Because Godden's not the first player who's dived this season. But he's been deemed the only one who should be punished for some reason. Mm. I just don't get it. Surely if you're going to punish someone, then you've got to punish everyone for diving and then people will be getting banned every single week. But this is the argument, isn't it? If they do it more often, then it will eventually leave the game. Maybe, probably not. It's been around for years. Um, Yeah, consistency is great. We're never going to get it with officiating or bans. So I think we've just got to put up and shut up with it. As I say, we will never get what we want because... It's officiating and it's always been bad. I wonder if he's been penalised because the game was on Sky. So obviously you got more camera Probably. angles hmm. around. So if you're going to be on Sky and you get caught diving and there's you know more cameras around than there is in your usual game, then surely whoever dives there is going to get penalised as well. But I, I, I'm not a big fan of this, you know, 
punishment after after it's happened Un- unless the referee says it's that then that should be it really because you don't hand out you know retrospective red cards i suppose you give out bans afterwards but still it's all I'm asking for is consistency in this kind of situation. Anyway, let's move on. Premier League B teams being introduced into the EFL is absolutely not something that will happen, says EFL chairman Rick Parry. He's pushing for the EFL to get a quarter of the revenue from selling Premier League and EFL broadcasting rights together. But he's guaranteed that letting the B teams join the Football League will not be part of any deal. It's going to be interesting to see if Rick Parry... Obviously, he's really pushing for this to happen, but I can't see the Premier League, you know, giving in to this without having something go their way as well. So it'd be interesting to see what the EFL has to concede to try and get this revenue on their side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a bargaining chip, isn't it? Um, and what that bargaining chip will be is an interesting one. We see B teams, uh, Premier League B teams or under twenty one sides struggling to compete even with League One and two teams in the Papa John's Trophy. Um, so putting them in a, in the in the league pyramid will be an absolute disaster for them. I think it will be I think it will, it will regress them more than um, more than bring them on. So that that cannot be cannot be a case, but it'll be interesting to see what that bargaining chip is, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it will have to be something that we're not particularly a fan of, but I've got to say B teams is the last thing that I think I would want to see introduced into the FL because it, it just absolutely should not happen under any circumstances. Ben Brereton Diaz has been proving himself to be a national hero in Chile once again, Justin. He scored the opening goal in their 2-0 win over Paraguay. And I'll tell you what, Brereton Diaz is turning out to be a brilliant replacement for Ben Brereton, isn't he? And for nothing as well. So all, all they had to do was purchase a passport to win for, <laughs> for everyone involved isn't it um but you know I, I'm, I'm loving this story more than anything i might even buy a chili shirt with his name on the back i, I think i have to I, i'd be doing myself an injustice if i didn't i hadn't considered that but now that you've said it i really want one as well so i'm gonna race to buy one before justin does <laughs> and final bit of the news from the past week is wayne routledge has retired at the age of 36 three things about this um First of all, I can't believe he's 36. It feels like Mm. he's been around for ages. But on the spin side, he looks exactly the same as he did 15 years ago. The man is completely ageless. Finally, can you guess how many championship appearances he's made? I would say like something like 190. I don't think it's as many as we think. 151. Yeah, it's weird. You expect him to be around for a while. Yeah, I, I would have put him in at least... 250 I would have said but he's made can you guess how many Premier League appearances he's made 230 300 pretty much I think it's 299 but 300 I know he obviously was at Swansea for 10 years wasn't he Mm. so so he's had a marvellous career and we've got to say you know good luck Wayne with the rest of your life Um, but But 300 Premier League appearances I would have never put him down for that especially when he's made nearly you know, half the amount of championship appearances just completely blew my mind when I saw that. Nonetheless, uh, let's move on, Justin. Now it's... All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Yes, it's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. This is the part of the show where Justin is going to give me six clues about a mystery championship legend who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All I've got to guess is who that 
bugger is. So far this season, I am 2-1 up on the overall game. Uh, but Beautiful. I'm 2-1 up for the season. Yeah, I'm 2-1 up for the season is what I'm trying to say. Um, Justin managed to finally get off the mark in the last Craig Bryson pub quiz we did. Now it's my turn to try and return my two-point lead. So, Justin, can you give me the first clue, please? It feels like three or four weeks ago we last did a Craig Bryson, but it's probably yeah, it last like week. Um, and it's not Wayne Routledge either. Um, He's not made 200 tr- appearances, as we've previously exactly. established. First clue, I played 283 games in a championship, scoring 45 goals. 283, 45 goals. That sounds like another midfielder. Um, I will go with Yobi McEnough. It is not Yobi McEnough. I started my career at Nottingham Forest after turning down moves from Manchester United and Arsenal. Wow, okay. Um, 283, that is a lot. I shall... I don't think he's made 283 appearances, but I'll go with Lewis McGugan. It is not Lewis McGugan. I scored my first goal for Forest against Sheffield United in the I don't know why I said it like that against Sheffield United in the playoff semi final in two thousand and three, two years after my debut. Okay, I just need to process that because that's a lot of information that's just gone into my head. Um so he made his debut he scored his first goal two years afterwards. So is he a high scoring defender? Is he a low scoring forward? Is he an adventurous keeper? Who knows? Adventurous <laughs> keeper, that'd be quite something. Um, it's not Shiller there. See, the only player who's coming to my head is Wes Morgan, but I don't think he scored 45 goals. Is that your... I'll go with Wes Morgan. Is it, it is not Wes Morgan. I don't know, that's a good shout, actually. I might have to look that up after. He's a he, goal scorer. He, he can't have scored 40. 40 something goals surely he scored he scored some goals uh, yeah uh, we'll have to have a quick google after this yeah. I've also played for Tottenham Hotspur Charlton Athletic Sunderland Sheffield United and Blackpool that's a lot of clubs hmm played for Tottenham played for Tottenham played for Charlton and Sunderland not in the championship how many clues have I got left after this You've got two after this. Started his career at Forest, then went to Spurs. What was, the, what was his next club after this? Well, there's there's Charlton, there's Sunderland, there's Sheffield United, which was a loan spell, and then there's Blackpool. Wow. This is. I, I'm not sure if this is blatantly obvious or not, but no one is coming I to my mind. Is. Really. Yeah. The only player who I, I can think of who's gone from Forest to Spurs is is Michael Dawson, but he's not played mm. for the other clubs. But I'll say Michael Dawson. It's not Michael Dawson. Again, 45 goals for a lot. Mm. Definitely not Michael Dawson, because the next clue is I also played for Ireland 29 times. Well, this oh, is come a... on. Come on. I, I cannot get out of my head that he started his career at Forest. This is it's not his career forest. It's amazing, isn't it? There's actually a few players who might qualify for these clues. Well, if he's made 283 championship appearances, then he hasn't. He won at Spurs for long. Just remind me what the other clubs were. He went to Charlton, Sunderland, Sheffield United, and Blackpool. Sheffield United was a loan spell, and Blackpool 
not too many games were played in that spell. So the majority of his appearances have come at Forest. Wow. This is a... I can, I can give you the next clue, because that might, that might make more sense for you. Go on, then. I returned to Forest in 2011, where I am now a youth coach. I've got it. So reti- I've got it. Thank God for that. It's a Andy Reid, isn't it? It is Andy Reid. I did I not think he believe. made 283 appearances in the championship. Majority of them for Forest. I think three quarters of them for Forest. Easily. I, I just assumed he was in the Premier League for ages. Because 283 yeah, t- appearances, that, that's like the majority of your career in the championship, really. Yeah, but he spent... Uh, about five years in the Premier League, but didn't make too many appearances. Just didn't make too many appearances for Thunder and Charlton and Spurs. He went to Spurs with Michael Dawson. Uh, in hindsight, that that was a, I should have got that a lot sooner. I don't know why Andy Reid just did not come to my head. I think it was because of the. It took two years for his first goal, because that is an obscene it, amount of time. Yeah, that is really surprising for someone like Andy Reid to score his first Forest goal. Uh, but I'll tell you what, good question, Justin. I'll give you that for once. You, you've been a, a bit corrupt with some of your clues so far this season. Um, but that one was all right. I'll give you that one. So credit where it's due. Uh, nonetheless, uh, this has been the second tier podcast. This has been the midweek edition where I've been looking ahead to some of the games coming up in the championship this weekend. We'll, of course, be back again on Sunday to uh, give you a roundup of all the games that happened in the Championship this coming weekend. May I remind you about Who Knows Wins. That's the app where you can win big money just from entering a league and correctly predicting the most results. Our league should be up and running by the time this goes out. All you've got to do is enter the code SECOND and then all you've got to do is pay £3 to enter and you can win some big money just by correctly predicting the correct results from the 3pm Championship games on Saturday. So make sure you join in then. Uh, The only other thing for us to say justin is we're going to our awards do tonight aren't we how exciting buzzing i'm out the house i'm i'm in a blazer which is the first time in i don't know since we were at six one together maybe <laughs> it's a while ago yeah well i i've worn a blazer since then i've uh, i've had job interviews and such things there um, is that, but, yeah i'm not yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway it's the football content awards <laughs> we've been nominated for uh, best football league podcast so hopefully uh we'll win it if we don't we won't ever mention it ever again on this podcast but if we do then we'll mention it constantly for the rest of time but thank you for everyone who nominated us and uh, voted for us when the uh, awards were finally out hopefully we'll come back with good news if not at least me and justin will have a lot of fun getting extremely drunk so we'll be back again on sunday this has been the second tier podcast i've been ryan dokes i've been justin peach thank you for listening